0: Hey guys, and welcome to the Alabama Freshwater Fishing Report, the first podcast to bring you the local fishing report for Alabama's lakes and rivers, whether it's good, bad, or ugly, presented by Great Days Outdoors magazine. This week's episode is brought to you by Southeastern Pond Management. Since 1989, Southeastern Pond Management has been a leader in pond and lake management services. If you own a pond or a lake anywhere in the southeast, Southeastern Pond Management can evaluate the health of your pond and then work with you individually to put together the right plan to get what you want out of your body of water. Through electrofishing, liming, fertilizing, and weed control, Southeastern Pond Management is the one-stop shop to help you produce more healthy trophy fish than ever before and if you're interested in building a new pond or lake give these guys a call to help evaluate your land and design the best possible body of water for you if you're anywhere in the southeast schedule an obligation-free consulting with one of their biologists by calling 1-888-830-POND or check them out on sepond.com also brought to you by AFCO family-owned and operated AFCO Fishing Apparel and Tackle are designed to handle the harshest elements and help you weather any day on the water. From cold tournament mornings to the humid summers in Florida, our products are built to handle the extreme. We are proud to hear customer stories about the 20-plus year life cycle of the AFCO products. Visit AFCO.com. That's A-F-T-C-O for On the Water Performance Gear what's up guys and welcome to the alabama freshwater fishing report i'm your host brian sin hope you guys are staying dry it's uh well i'm recording this on it's it's wednesday afternoon and got uh nothing but rain for this this evening that's for sure so ain't ain't a lot lot of people gonna be on the lake today but it gives us a good opportunity to get some great callers on here and some first-time callers on here that we haven't been able to get so i'm looking forward to that and, uh, Land, let's get started. Let's talk about some fishing. First segment today, first time on the show, looking forward to having him. Will Davis, what's going on, Will? Hey, Mr.
1: Brian, I appreciate you having me on the show.
0: Man, I've been looking forward to it, buddy. I I, I see your name and we got a lot of mutual friends and, but we've, we've never been able to connect and, and, and get this thing done. So man, I appreciate you taking the time to jump on today.
1: Oh, uh, yes, sir. Yes, sir. I, I appreciate it.
0: Yeah, well, I know that uh, several weeks ago, a couple of weeks ago, I was up at Pickwick with Brad Whitehead and Tracy Umber and and uh, a couple of other guys, and we were trying to catch a smallmouth on the live bait. And, uh, you know, at just as they, of course, they had been killing them before I got there, and we struggled a little bit, but we had a heck of a good time. But the Bass Nation Championship, was up there the same day and uh, I know you know all those guys and and they were keeping up with you and rooting for you and man it uh you won the thing
1: uh yes sir yeah i, I appreciate it i appreciate y'all rooting for me I needed it uh, the lake was fishing very very tough you know all the pressure and no rain that we've had and until now you know um it, it calls for the uh the water to be real slow as far as the generation schedule and it just really just didn't set them fish up the way i really wanted to catch them you know um i went up there a month before the, you know the cutoff was a month before the tournament and um, i actually caught 24 pounds of smallmouth up there on one little area i found and they was running a little bit more water then and i went up there and practiced the first day of official practice which was three days prior to the tournament and i pulled up on a waypoint, made one cast and caught a four pounder and left. And man, I caught one fish there, and I hit it probably ten times during the tournament. So they were just moving for sure, and I couldn't ever really figure them out, you know. And until halfway through the first of the day, one of the event, and I'm lucky because I only had two fish at one twenty. I had a way in at two o'clock. So once uh-huh. I figured out where, yes, sir. Once I figured out where they were located. Uh, You know, I light bulb went off, and you know, I still didn't catch the 16 keepers throughout the whole event. And I was the only guy out of you know, 100 or whatever anglers that we had. And some of the best, you know, the best of the best was there that fished the nation. It's so hard to qualify for that event, and them guys were there for a reason. And I was the only guy to catch three limits in the whole tournament
0: man that's amazing like you said you got some dang good fishermen on that circuit and 100 uh, something boats on the lake and for you to be the only guy to catch three limits well that tells you how hard the fishing was up there
1: it was unbelievable tough you know i i went up there and i've marched a lot of stuff in pre-practice to to go hit down the lake you know and i went down there and an official practice and I've caught, you know, four largemouth that were in that two to two and a half pound range but never stuck a big one or seen a big one. Just didn't get many bites doing the largemouth deal. And I run a lot of stuff. I mean I burned up two whole days from daylight to dark doing it and never got it going. And I just knew with the way I fish around here and, you know, and other lakes I just knew that that current. I was just going to fish your strengths because when it gets tough, you better fish your strengths. You know, If you don't. You're you're
0: <laughs>
2: you're
1: you're going to toe the butt whooping for sure. So that's exactly what I done, and you know, got very fortunate that it all panned out the way that it did.
0: Yeah, I think that last day, uh, the day that we were up there, that last day, I think you pretty much had to, you had your limit and had to had the thing pretty much won pretty early in the morning, didn't you? Yeah. Uh,
1: well, yes, sir. I didn't know that, but yeah the you know the first two days of the vent and it was sunny not a cloud in the sky just bluebird and fish bit like i said i caught i had two keepers first day at 120 and finished out my limit uh, within three casts of you know whatever the, however long that takes it was magical and the next morning i pulled up there and couldn't get bit there because the water wasn't turned up near as much well they was generating when i get up there in the morning times the first two days they're running at 10,000, you know, between 10 and 11,000 uh, CFS. And I really needed to be in that 30 to 40 range to make the uh, the smallmouth migrate up there where I was fishing. They were hanging out down there in between me and that bridge, I think. I'm almost pretty sure, or they were just sitting there, just hanging out, waiting for the current to get right where they could position themselves behind them rocks. It was one of the two. So the second day, I had four fish at 1:30 and ended up catching the fifth fish right after that. You know, and I weighed in like at 2:15 that day. um Then the final day, man, it started. It was raining when we put in, and I and I just felt it in my bones. And I pulled up the TVA schedule, and it says they was already running 40,000 cfs, and I just knew it. I just, but you just know when you're going to catch them or have that opportunity, and I pulled up there, and actually I run all the way up there. And I didn't see no lights up there, you know. And I was like, oof, ain't nobody in my spot. It's, it's gonna be good." Because <laughs> they had a local tournament go out right for us that final day, and the guy that's actually leading it, he was catching them up there, you know, about two miles, about a mile before you get to the dam. And I and I'm right behind him. I'm going up there, following him. I look to the right. I knew where he was catching them. You know, it's just a respect factor. It wasn't no way. I mean, I I kind of outrun him. I kind of got side to side with him. I, you just, you don't never, It's just an unwritten rule. You don't fish other people's fish that they're on. It's just, it's not a set rule. It's just a sportsman rule in my right. mind. Respect other people, I looked over there and I seen a guy sitting on his place. And, and it was that local, one of them guys from that local tournament. And I knew right then that that was going to spin him out because that's where mostly he was catching them all. Yeah, um,
0: so you knew it was in your so favor then.
1: I did, I did, and I pulled up there and second cast, I caught a largemouth, and I turned back there around in the current. I was I was throwing a topwater water and a spinner bait, and I up there against that dam, and that's when I caught that largemouth. And I pulled out there in my current spot. I started out there in my current spot. Excuse me, it wasn't the second cast I caught the largemouth. It was about you know twenty minutes in. Because I started out there on my rock, and I never got bit. So I went in there and fished where I caught a largemouth first day, and ended up catching three-pound largemouth. Well, that died off. I had a couple more bites in that spot. And I turned around out there in my current spot, and I fired out there, and I caught a a two-pounder, threw him into the box, threw back out there. I hang a big one, and I'm like, this ain't no way. This is a bass. There's no way. Because, I I mean, we catch hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of hundreds of stripes and drum all over these dams on Makusa, and i've never felt anything that resembled a bass that heavy judging by them fish that we catch around here and he got me out there in that current i just couldn't move him He was just kind of just going back and forth back and forth well it felt like forever and he finally come to the right and got out of the current and i get him halfway to the boat and he hangs me he wraps me around a rock so i'm picking Uh -uh. up my poles i can and i and I finally get it my last uh or my poles up. As soon as they made my boat jar, you know, when they close all the way up, he come off that rock. Well, put my poles back down while I'm fighting him and he comes right beside the boat and he I didn't have no idea it was a smallmouth. And he comes up and tries to jump and he gets about everything but his you know, his tail out of the water and I I, I was you talking about a feeling that you'll never forget you know of seeing that fish that close knowing that you had a shot or got a shot to go to the bassmaster classic and all you got to do is catch basically seven eight pounds that day and i've already had a three and a two pounder in the boat and having that big one on and my it was just it was just an awesome feeling and i finally got him up the boat and reached down there and he actually jumped over my arm and
0: oh god i get
1: I get him back over and I reach my, my finger back in it or get it in his mouth because I couldn't belly do the belly deal because I was going to try to land him on the front of the boat and it's just a weird deal. And as soon as I get my finger in his mouth and close down on him, he spits the the shaky fish and it was a scrounger type bait that we make. He just slings it. And I
0: get him in the boat, man. I'm talking about. I was like I can nail it when he won the Bassmaster Classic. <laughs> you <laughs> were, yes, yeah. I am praying. With you. I heard you all over the lake. <laughs> yes, sir. Man, so I, I, I got my- how exciting, man. I'm I'm getting excited just thinking about that moment, and 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 like you said, what that feels like to know that the fish to get you to the Bassmaster Classic is literally right there at the boat, and all you got to right do there. is get him in it yes sir how much did he weigh
1: he weighed five four golly five, four. and it was it was big fish of the tournament yes sir a smallmouth now one of the best largemouth fisheries you know in the spring and and basically through all through the year but that time of year largemouth are like non-existent and the smallmouth is that standpoint unless you're live bait fishing but to catch one that big and to win big fish wow you know, a smallmouth is special
0: yeah, that's special, man. So, how much did your total weight end up being?
1: I think it was like forty six three. I think that was the total weight for three days, fifteen bass.
0: Dang! And what second place? What was it? He was thirty seven pounds. So you won it by a lot. Excuse me, I had forty three. Yeah, did I say forty
1: seven? It was forty three pounds and four ounces, or three ounces. What I won. Yeah, I won by six pounds. Boy I had thirty seven behind me.
0: Good gracious man. So what were you what were you catching the fish on? I was catching on a uh on a
1: shaky fish, uh, which is a scrounger type bait. Uh um, my dad with Davis Bait Company, he makes it. Aaron Martin's was a good friend of ours and um he came to dad and they knew each other and all that stuff, you know, throughout the industry, um, while Aaron was here and he came to Dad and with this bait and he wanted them to get it modified up the way that Aaron liked it. And, and for Aaron to like the bait, it had to be perfect. And it just wasn't that way. And him and dad put their brains together and they got that bait running as perfect as, you, as a human could make it, in my opinion.
0: And when you say it's ground your bait, what, I mean, so is this like, a? explain the bait to me a little bit for those people that, that are listening that may not know, and to me too.
1: Yes, sir. Well, we make we got a um, we make an eighth ounce, a quarter ounce, and a half ounce, and a three eighths, and a three quarter, and a and one ounce. So we have all different sizes of the bait. It's um it's a jig head with a with a bill on it, um, and we make a Wim minnow. It's just a fluke type bait, and it's real slender. And you thread that on there and you have to make sure that's thread on there properly. When you throw it out there, whether it's on Lake Martin where there's no current or on the Coosa or you know the Tennessee River or any current type based reservoir or lake, that thing when you throw it out there and reel it, it it's got a shimmer to it. And it it imitates a bait fish perfect. And then fish cannot they can't stand it. If they're feeding on shad, that is the best bait a man can have in his tackle box.
0: Dang, I like it, man. It sounds awesome.
1: Yes, sir. That sounds it's awesome. One, it's one me, I can't tell you how much money in the past five years on that bait alone. Yes, sir. Dang. And if you're going out there just to have if you're going out there just to have fun, you know, catching stripe or any any type of fish, you know, I've caught crappie on it especially on the eighth ounce, especially, um, when the crappie are pulling up the spawn and running the banks in the spring, yeah, it's a good bait to do that with, uh, you know, you have to downsize your, your bait, but yeah, it's a, it's a bad dude.
0: Man, that's, that's a cool deal. Where can, I mean, where can people find these baits?
1: You can go on our website at davisbaitcompany.com, uh Mark's Outdoors. Vestavia Hills has them. Tackle Warehouse has them. Um, Good
0: deal. Carabay.
1: Yes, sir. Carabay is up here in Chillsburg has them.
0: Well, Uh, hey, that sounds like something we all need in our tackle box right there for sure, man. Well, so what's next for you? So you you win that event. You qualify for the Classic. Uh, Where's the Classic going to be this year?
1: It's going to be on Fort Loudon Teleco in Knoxville, Tennessee
0: awesome and when is that
1: it's uh march 24th through the 26th that's
0: a big opportunity right there ain't it brother that's one of them life-changing yeah. opportunities
1: it, it is it is you know i've really not got to really sit down and and think man i'm going to Bassmaster classic because i've got a i made the Bassmaster elite series by winning that so we've got nine tournaments for the season next year and it fires up in february um down there um Okeechobee so we'll have two tournaments right before the classic
0: Man, that'll be fun man congrats on making the elite series that's a i know that's got to be a dream come true to you exciting thing right there and then yes, to, sir, to make yeah. the to be able to fish the classic the first year that you make the elite series i mean that's just icing on the cake right there good gracious what a year yes
1: sir i i've always dreamed about it since i've been a young young kid you know my dad has been in the bait business all my life and he used to take me to all the Bassmaster Classics and you know, always to South um Chicago to wherever. And Birmingham, I tell you what, I always wanted to be that man, you know, waiting in the Bassmaster Classic. I just thought that was the coolest thing. I actually have had dreams about
0: it, you know. Uh, and, I know, right? Uh,
1: well, reality, you, finna get,
0: you finna get to live that dream.
1: Yes, sir. It's
0: very, very special. Good stuff, man. Good stuff. Well, hey, uh, one thing I always like to do is is get a tip. But you know, if you were somebody that was going up to Pickwick on the Tennessee River or somewhere this weekend and uh fishing, you know, we've got had a little rain, got a little more current now. Maybe what would your tip of the day be?
1: The tip of the day would be I'd get you know first off I'd make sure they wouldn't if it's blowed out. You know, I'd fish down the lake a little bit. You know, from McFarland down, even past Seven Mile Island, you know, because it's just depends. You know, if they get four or five inches of rain up there, it's just gonna be stout to fish up there, you know. Yeah. But if it's if it's feasible enough to fish, you know, I definitely give me some shaky fish, three quarter ounce, because they'll definitely have more. They'll probably have sixty, seventy, eighty thousand cfs up there I don't know how the, you know, I know they run high, but it'll be a lot more than what it was when I'm there or was there. I definitely have me some one out spinner baits and you know and just go up there and get get on the bank and try to figure out where they're going to be grouped up at
0: hey that's a good tip will i appreciate it buddy well hey man we're going to be keeping up with you and uh rooting for you in this thing so uh look forward to having you back on here again soon buddy
1: yes sir i appreciate your time and i look forward to be back on uh
0: sounds good man well thank you and good luck and and we'll talk to you again soon talk to you soon god bless all right buddy take care All right, guys, let's take a couple minutes and hear from some of this week's sponsors. This segment was brought to you by AlabamaFishingShow.com. The all-new Alabama Fishing Show is coming to Gaston, Alabama at the venue at Coosa Landing on George Wallace Drive, March the 10th through the 12th. The only true fishing show in Alabama, featuring all things fresh and saltwater. If you fish, don't miss the latest fishing gear, equipment, apparel, custom tackle, lures, rods and reels, and electronics, and guides. March the 10th through the 12th, $10 for adults, $8 for kids, 5 and under are free. Tickets are available online or at the door. Free parking. Learn more at alabamafishingshow.com. We hope to see you there. Also brought to you by Bucks Island. Bucks Island has been in business since 1948 for all of your new and used boat needs, as well as motor sales and services, and now they have a pro-level tackle store. Boat and motor trade-ins are welcome. Visit them online at BucksIslands.com or give them a call at 256-442-2588.
3: Also brought to you by Texas Hunter. Since 1954, Texas Hunter Products has produced the best engineered and finest quality feeders and hunting blinds in the industry. The Texas Hunter brand has become synonymous with quality and durability. By sticking to premium standards, the company delivers tough, long-lasting products that meet the real-life needs of anglers and hunters across America. Their fish feeders, deer feeders, hunting blinds, and outdoor accessories are among the highest rated in the industry. You can trust that your purchase from Texas Hunter Products will meet your needs for generations to come. To learn more, visit TexasHunter.com.
0: All right guys, welcome back to the show. Great first segment with Will Davis and uh, y'all be rooting for him and keeping up with him. I know he's excited uh about making the elite series and getting a chance to 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 fish the big tournament. So uh man we'll be we'll be watching Will, but man let's get to our next segment. Let's come down from the Tennessee River to the Coosa with my man Joey Nani. What's
3: going on, Joey? Not much. How are you? Man,
0: I appreciate you getting on here, brother. It's been
3: a while. We always love having you on. Oh, yeah. It's a good time. And I know I, I stay busy and stay out on the water a lot and with my family a lot. But anytime I get the chance, it's good to catch up and fill people in on, you know, what's going on in the fishing and as far as on the Coosa River goes and then what's going on in our life as well. So
0: Heck, yeah. Well, speaking of going on in life,
3: man, you got a new addition to the
0: family. Congrats.
3: Yeah, thank you. Our little boy was born three weeks ago hard to believe it's already been three weeks, but he is three weeks old as of yesterday. So uh, baby Noah Nania is here. So we got Zeke Nania, Eli Nania, and Noah Nania. And then my wife and my poor wife that has uh three sons and a, a husband to take care of. But she's amazing and she loves it so she takes care of us.
0: That's awesome, man. Well we had we had four boys and then and then uh ended up having having the girl for the caboose but uh, hey, man, it's, it's, it's a lot of fun. That's for sure. So congrats, congrats on a healthy baby. That's always a, always a blessing.
3: Absolutely. Thank you.
0: Yeah, man. Well, how is the fishing on the Coosa right now?
3: Honestly, the fishing is better right now than I've seen it in the last year or so. Um, as far as just being fun, like there's just a lot of fish swimming around and there's a lot of fish biting and they're healthy right now. Um, based on the water quality and the amount of rain we've had and the temperatures have not been super cold but it looks like it's about to turn cold and uh, that's good for the river system as a whole too but they've just been biting when you find them right now it seems like they're in a good mood and they're healthy and they want to eat you know they're feeding up hard and they're relating to shad whether that's you know shallow current shad or offshore suspended shad type stuff but Um, they're just they're feeding which is always a fun time to be out there you find them and you hit them in the face and you got a good chance of making them eat so uh, are you have you mainly been fishing Logan yeah I've been on uh, Logan I've been on Jordan and Mitchell uh, and Neely Henry all in the last two weeks the only lake I haven't been to in the last couple weeks is lay but lay lake fish is very similar to Mitchell and Jordan in a way except for just you know obviously longer and a little bit different but it's got some similarities especially the bottom half of lay relates a lot to you know Mitchell and Jordan yeah, and i've
0: I, man, I heard that Jordan has been pretty good this year,
3: yeah, it, it has been, and then you look at like the ABC championship was there a month and a half ago, and it took thirteen pounds a day to win a two day championship, which that's low for Jordan that's
0: low, but yeah.
3: yeah, that's very low, thirteen pounds a day, but and that was in the fall, and a lot of there wasn't much current, so it was not the easiest time to catch them, but the average size in general on Jordan and on the entire Coosa River is down. It's not taking, there's not as many 20 pound bags caught as there were, you know, two or three years ago. And we still see them and there's still going to be weeks of the year when everything lines up perfect and the big ones show up. But the biggest difference is you're not seeing those like 18, 19, 20 pound bags of spots. You're seeing like if someone's got 20, he's got a big, large mouth or two in the bag. Um, Yeah. It's just the size of spotted bass is down.
0: Well, and, 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 um, you know, you brought that up and, and I'm glad you did. And this is, you know, I was really looking forward. To getting you on here. I don't know if you had a chance to listen, but two, three weeks ago, we had the state biologist on here for the CUSA system, the CUSA and the talapusa And I know there's been a lot of back and forth on social media about how bad the CUSA ch- is right now and how it's down and how we need to start restocking again. And We control and all these different issues. So it was very interesting having the, uh, the, the biologist on and the supervisor for this, for the district. And, and I thought he, he, he did a a excellent job and, and answered some of the, the questions that I hope, hope people were looking for answers for. I'm not sure that everybody's not, of course, not going to agree on it, but in your estimation and, and which I value, and and I know our listeners do. You know, I know that there was some tournaments where 11, 12 pounds were winning. And uh, like you said, you're not seeing those as many of those 18, 20 pound bags as you used to, to, to that were winning tournaments. What do you attribute it to?
3: Yeah, that's a great question, and it's an important topic to discuss and to be proactive on, and I hope that, you know, the state fishing game people will listen to the anglers, and I hope that the anglers will also work together with the state fishing game people. You know, that, that relationship is very important and needs to be a team effort because we all want the fishing to be better. And honestly, the I you know, it really has changed, though, in 10 years. I moved here about 12 years ago, and the first year I moved here, I didn't know what I was doing, and I caught probably 100 pounds. you know, 100 plus four plus pound spots on logan martin in one year of fishing and that's just incredible and i really you know i was fishing points like pull up on a point and throw a jerk bait and throw a lipless crankbait up there and catch two four pounders you know true four plus pound spots big giant ones yeah. and now i might you know now in the course of a year honestly like true four plus pound spots like actual four plusers i might catch 10 of those a year in a whole year of on the coosa you know if i had to guess i and that's and you just don't see the sheer number like three pounders used to be very common 15 pounds of spots didn't get you paid in the spring several years ago five six seven eight years ago and now that's really really good if you can catch five th- like i've been catching 13 to 14 pounds a day um everywhere i've gone spot fishing and then you know if you add a big large mouth into that it changes obviously you get up to that 15 to 17 pound range but um so i've seen it go down and i've seen the biggest Did drastic change happened about, honestly, like right around when COVID happened, the first time when it first popped up um, and, you know, everything got crazy. It seemed like that was when we had the most fish in the lake that I've ever seen. And the fishing was really good and there was crazy numbers of fish. Now, since that, I've seen the, the population decrease and the size wasn't quite, you know, as good as it was maybe five, six years ago, two years ago. But the numbers have gone down now. And so we've seen a hit in the numbers of fish, too. And I don't know, there's a lot of things that I've attributed it to. And I don't want to make this too long-winded, but I've seen where it changed. When COVID happened, it was in March. And here's a few theories I have. And these are just theories. But I'm, I have a lot of you know, 150 plus days a year on the Coosa River. So these are educated theories, I would say. But it happened in March when it first happened. And there were so many boats at every boat launch. You couldn't put a boat, you, could, you know, it's hard to even get a boat in the water if you weren't there early and the fish were spawning it was a wide open spawn in march that year we had really warm march it was in the 70s and 80s a couple of years ago and there was fish on bed everywhere i've never seen that many fish on bed and you could literally take a worm or a carolina rig and go down any bank on the lake from the back of a creek catching spawners to the main lake banks catching spot spawning and could just absolutely wear them out and catch a 100 fish going down the bank well wow. so then it's st- and there were three waves of spawners that happened like that right when COVID was happening. For that whole month when everybody was not working and everyone was fishing, there was crazy bag, you know, crazy spawning fish everywhere. So I could, you could see, say that maybe we lost a year, you know, a year class or two and that put a hurting on them. I'm not saying everyone was keeping them and eating them, but it could have disturbed the spawn. They also had tournaments almost every day of the week moving fish around. Um, and so I, I'm not so sure we're not seeing some sort of an effect from that. Um, my other theory is, and this was probably talked about, I didn't listen to that podcast, but that you're the, you know, the interview you guys did, but there's a lot more striper than there used to be. And striper are one of those things that I'd like catching them, but they're, when you find them on Logan right now, like I went into clear Creek and, uh, two days ago and there was literally thousands and thousands and thousands piled in there. Like when you find the mother load of them, it's unbelievable numbers. And you don't see many bass with them when they're that thick. And I've seen, I do see more striper now and I can't understand why they would continue to stock them. Um, I would think maybe do it every couple of years might make sense or every wait two or three, like, you know, two or three years. And cause I like catching them and they're fun when they get big, but to have that many, like two to five pounders swimming around, it's a lot. And it does display some of the bass. They've also stocked white bass in the last couple of years and we don't have any need for white bass that I can see on the Coosa river, you know? No it's there's some silly stuff going on in the stocking programs. And my theory on that has always been that striper can't reproduce naturally bass can. So they, in their minds, they think, okay, we're going to help the resource that can't reproduce naturally bass can take care of themselves, but there's no driving force on the Coosa river for striper to be an industry or to, you know, there's, there's really not a whole lot of importance to it other than a fun bycatch occasionally when you're on a guide trip or something so that's going on as well and then the third and final thing and i'll make this one really quick so if you keep moving on um is the current schedule has changed and i know alabama power or what i've heard is alabama power doesn't make the decisions on how they run water anymore and they've changed the way they run it with the corps of engineers running it and so the corps of engineers now runs the water differently than alabama power they pre-run it before the rain and storms ever get there they rip it really really hard to draw it down so they don't have to worry about the floods and things as bad when the rain hits. And they'll run it wide open with floodgates for a week, and then they'll cut it back to very little current, where it's only on for maybe six hours of a 24-hour day um, if we don't have rain for a while. So they blast it wide open, they get it all out of there, and then they go right back to nothing. Instead of several weeks or even months of consistent one and two turbine flow, um, more steady, which makes fish position different and feed better and group up more on the banks and, and on points and on current places. So I've, I think that's changed the way the fish are living on the Coosa river. And I can't say it's necessarily affected the population, but that's another theory of, of the fishing. So there's three long winded reasons of what, what I've seen going on. Those
0: are all great, great. And, and I had heard, you know, um, I I'd had the, I think the week before, we had the biologist on, I had Tucker Smith on here and, and he was saying the same thing about the current being, you know, not being run by Alabama power per se anymore, the schedule. And that he, he described it the same way you did instead of in the past, it's more of a steady run, but at a lower rate, which was great for the mm-hmm. fishing because it was always some pretty good current where now it's like a trickle if any, and then they run big blast out of time. And they're doing a big part of that at night. So they're almost mm-hmm. in some way kind of training those fish to bite and be more aggressive and bite at night when they're running more current. And then there's not, so the fish set up totally different when there's not current and, um, and, and kind of go into a, a non-feeding type mode. It seems like, but I, I really, the stripe is a very interesting, we did not talk about the stripe we should have. Cause that's, I can see that being a, a big factor and, um, I
3: really think it is.
0: Yeah. And, but, but the big part of it too, is, you know, we did talk a lot about the, uh, about the tournaments and, and, and the COVID, just like you talked about where everybody started fishing and, you know, most bass fishermen, most of us, we all throw our, we throw our bass back when we catch them anyway, even if we put them in the live well and weigh them in, we still, re- throw them back now how many of those survive i don't know
3: yeah and how many of your classes spawning you know you take them off their bed during the spawn and what that's happens- the key it's- that's a theory
0: that nobody has brought up
3: that yeah, I- three years or yeah two it years. Like, okay <laughs> yeah it definitely it definitely holds some waters on that one for it makes yeah. sense so
0: yeah and i know that you know in the states theory is hey look we there's no need to restock there. It's no point in restocking the bass and the coosa because there is verified studies that have been done that show that only 1% survival rate on stock fish, fingerlings, of bass. Well, so if you stock a hundred thousand, only a thousand live, right? According to the studies and according to the biologist. And he's like, look, there are, enough bass in the coosa to where they spawn and they can do more than we can ever touch. I mean they can Mm -hmm. naturally reproduce so much more better than what we can stock. Now I know there's people that have different theories on that. And like, you know, when back when they were back when they were stocking and Mark's Outdoors was doing their thing on, you know, and Lay, that's when the fishing was really good and now it's not as good anymore. Well okay and that that maybe that's accurate but maybe it's the fact that all that kind of was timed in with the whole covid deal and like yeah. you said you you miss us you, you know especially a spawning year like you were talking about where going down the bank catching 100 fish and displacing those fish and so many people yep. fishing every day of the week it it is taken is taking a toll on it
1: mm-hmm.
0: his main theory was Hey, this is a natural cycle of a lake it it's you've yep. seen it in Gunerful. you've seen it where some year they have this big you know several years it's fantastic, it's unbelievable. and then all of a sudden you have some down years and then a few yep. years later you have an upswing and so it's just a natural cycle that is going through, but uh for some reason it it's seems all to be the above. It, yeah, it's all the above, right.
3: Glad that I'm not in control of it. I'm glad that God's in control of all of it. And I'm glad that I, you know, I'm still able to catch fish and live scope has helped that. And, you know, there's plenty of fish biting. I've been catching 50 or 60 fish in a day, um, bass and striped mix, but probably 40 bass a day, at least That's awesome. and that's And a lot of different patterns and that's, you know, that's still good fishing. It's not what it was five years ago when you could catch a hundred a day when there was current running like this, like three turbines and floodgates, like they've been going. I could go catch a hundred fish in a day pretty easily. And that's not the case. So I've had to limit my expectations a little bit, you know, things have changed and that's okay, but we do need to, I mean, we are, you know, we love this resource and we want to take care of it, but lakes do naturally cycle and there's all these different theories and reasons, but I think the lake will slowly, but surely it'll probably have some better years and it'll cycle again. And I do think like, you know, I look at Texas as the big example of stocking programs that worked and Things that they do, they put in so much money into that resource because they know that bass fishermen love these lakes and they're the ones that really use them year round. They're the where a lot of the money comes from, the economy boost uh, come from. So they do stocking programs and it makes a difference. Those lakes are unbelievable and stay unbelievable and they're better sustained because of the stocking they do and the programs they run. And I wish Alabama would put a little more effort into that. It wouldn't hurt. You know, I can they can say it's a waste of time, but it wouldn't hurt. You know, it wouldn't hurt, right? it would not hurt to help try to help out the population a little bit with some sort of programs and some actual putting some effort into helping the bass. Cause that's where the money's at. And that's where, you know, we love bass fishing in Alabama. So
0: I'm pretty sure I brought you up in this segment when I was talking with him uh, about a conversation that me and you had probably, it may have been six months, a year ago, but when we were talking, I, I think we were talking about live scope and you know, as good as it is and as helpful as it is, I I believe you brought up that, that what's, how it's changed the fishing is so much of it for the good, but then fish cannot like, especially like Logan Martin, where they would just get out in the middle, chase bait balls, Mm -hmm. those fish, you couldn't see them. You didn't know, you couldn't find them. You you couldn't stay on them. And so those fish kind of had a reprieve, from being caught for a part of the year
3: we're kind of out of out of view right yeah i'd say for you know half the population half the year wasn't catchable really you know they were out there swimming and they would show up on your favorite point and you'd have that you know when they were there they would get there in certain conditions and one random day and then you'd hammer them and they'd they'd be gone and you'd be like why are those fish not on this point i thought they lived on this point come to find out they don't live anywhere really you know they swim nonstop. And they, like you said, they used to hide. They, they had a hide. They used to be able to go out there and get rest in the winter time. They'd be out there in the summer. A lot of them were out there. Even in the springtime, you still see fish, half the fish are on the bank or a third of them and a third are out there in the middle of nowhere, even in the spring. And now we can see them and we can catch them. So it does, it definitely, we, we hammer them harder. Fish that never saw baits for six months now see baits year round, you know? Yeah. And so maybe Great that thing.
0: has something to do with it too. You know, I think it's all of the above, it, and, uh, it's the natural cycle It's the one thing that I was really wanting to kind of hammer him on or challenge him on, not hammer him on, but challenge him on. Uh, and, and it got, it got squished really quick because he told me they didn't have anything to do with that. It was all Alabama power, but spraying for <laughs> the grass and the, and the weed control, mm-hmm. uh, in some of those lakes. Cause in my mind, I'm like, okay, let the grass grow. I mean, Logan's a deep lake. If we're talking about Logan, Yes, it, it, the banks, except for a few spots, a few, a few of those coves, but for the most part, the lake drops off fairly quick and, and Mm -hmm. and it's going to be deeper than grass can grow anyway. So you're just still going to have, even if you have grass, it's only going to be close to the bank. And those are areas where once the fish spawn, those young bass get in there and they hide, the bait fish can hide. And so maybe their survival
3: rate goes up more. Mm
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know how
3: Logan Martin Larson do it for real. (laughs) I mean, it's like, oh, you get born and you go hide under a dock or (laughs) hide in a rock. And we have plenty of grass on this lake, but it's going to be, I mean, to go in another direction with it in a positive way, they're not dropping the water as much. They're dropping it three feet now instead of five on the, on Logan Martin. And grass has never been a huge factor on Logan. It's always a good pattern when there's water in it, but. It's going to be interesting to see if the grass changes any being not five feet down, being three feet down and see if that helps the largemouth population at all. I don't know that it will, um, but you, we could see upticks in the largemouth in the next few years on Logan Martin specifically because of a change in the water level.
0: Yeah. Um, when did they, is this the first year they're doing that?
3: This is. Yep. They finally got it all approved. And this is the first year they're only, they're, they've only dropped it three feet and they're supposed to keep it. That's the new winter pool is two feet higher than it used to be. So it's 462 now instead of 460. So you could
0: definitely see a change in the grass.
3: Yep. Yeah, you could. And grass is a good thing. I hate seeing them spray grass at like Lay Lake. It's such a big factor in Jordan and Mitchell and Neely Henry. I haven't seen as much grass spraying at Neely Henry, but Lay Lake has got a lot of grass and a lot of subsurface grass right now that they haven't had in years past that they had a long time ago and then was gone. So I hope they don't just, you know, go nuke all that stuff. I really do. Yeah. Because it's, going to help the fishing in the future if they leave it but i understand also you got a dock and you don't want to have cabbage grass and all sorts of stuff all around your underneath your dock all the time so sure cycle man we just got to do our best and enjoy it. yeah that's right well
0: before i let you go man let's 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 talk about how you're catching fish right now
3: Um, So we got a lot of current and I've been taking advantage of it because we went so long this uh, summer and fall without much flow. And so I love to be able to pull up on a current seam on a break or a bar or anything that breaks the current a point and find fish that are relating on top of the point or behind the point. Um, And sometimes it'll be on the upstream side where current's hitting them too. But it's, it's a fun pattern and they're definitely doing that right now with three turbines and some floodgates running. There's fish on current stuff and the water's got some good color to it and there's fish um up shallow because of that color in the water and then you've also the creeks have been clear because even though they've been running a ton of water the river's been kind of dirty the last two weeks but the creeks have been clear and then we've gotten these big blasts of rain the next uh, you know a couple days ago or sun last sunday and then also today as we're recording this and so that's going to make the creeks kind of get another flush of oxygen and, and also dirty up a little bit so It's a good time of year to catch them shallow and catch them on, you can go crank the bank and catch them and throw a a chatterbait jackhammer and catch them down the bank, fishing those current breaks. I throw a chatterbait willow vibe a lot on current breaks. Uh, That's an awesome little bait. It's a rapid vibration jig head and it's just a really tight buzz and they just eat it up in the, especially in the colder months when there's some color in the water. Um, That's a great bait, a three eighth ounce willow vibe. And I throw the Z-Man Streak 375 behind it or their four-inch scented jerk shads, or you can throw a little swim bait on it. So that bait's killer. And then I'm also catching a lot of suspended fish in the creeks. You know, the river fish are going to be your bottom-oriented and your current-related fish. And then there's fish swimming through bait. Anywhere you find large amounts of bait, there's going to be bass and striper out there swimming through them. And you just got to fool them into biting, whether it's a jerk bait or a, uh, I call it the Ned Meeky, my little jig head minnow bait. Um, or an Alabama rig or any of that kind of stuff. And I've also been catching them on a blade bait, you know, throwing a blade bait and offshore stuff and on the shallow current with the six cents, uh, slice blade bait. So there's a lot of ways to catch them right now. I'm sure I could go fish steep banks with current on them and flush a jig down the bank and catch them too. And that's just something I've been having so much fun chasing schools of fish on current points. And then the suspenders I haven't went and thrown a jig, but I'll probably go do that in the next few days. Uh, So there's a lot of ways to
0: a lot of ways to do it. No doubt about it. No doubt. Yeah. Well, it sounds like a lot of those ways are working right now. And, and Hey, we have seen the weight start going up a little bit from what they were even a month or two ago. So
3: be good. It'll be all right. You know, whether, whether they Alabama powered or I mean, the state fishing game does anything or not, the, the fish will be okay. And this, we live on a very healthy river system and there's always going to be rain and there's always going to be flow and there's always going to be shad. And so I, I think, you know, we can, we, we're going to have good fishing for a long, long time and, but we should do things to improve it for the future if we can.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And, 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 and I will say though, you know, the one, one of the 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 points that uh, was brought up uh, a few weeks ago was he was the, the state was like, Hey, you know, nobody likes to, I'm a fisherman. That's why I got into this. I love to fish out and I live on the Coosa river. So I want it to be as good as it can possibly be. So if there's anything that can make it better that we can control, we're open to it and we want to do it. So like you said, you know, the state, the fishermen, the tournaments, we all work together and I'm sure that, that things will turn around. I mean, the, the, the CUSA was, it's, it's an unbelievable system and, um, And, and it'll be fine. We just, but there's always things that we can all do to improve it. But man, Joey, I appreciate you, man. I I love your insight and, uh, and, and it comes with a lot of experience and spending a lot of time on the water. So it's, it's definitely valued. If somebody wants to book a trip with you, Joey, what's the best way for them to contact you? It sounds like now's a good time to be booking something.
3: Yeah, it's a great time to get out there. And, uh, I am also offering gift certificates for uh, the holiday season and if somebody wants to get one of those i can i'll email a certificate to them and they can purchase those and that's i've had a lot of you know people doing that for their kids and i love seeing that and i love to fulfill those trips and get to take them out and teach them what i love to do and and share with them about myself and my faith and my fishing so that's always been good um the gift certificates but if they want to just book a normal trip or reach out about the gift certificate they can reach me on social media um my uh handles or whatever is called is Joey Fishing on Instagram and Facebook and then also my email is Joey at JoeyFishing And then I've got my website. You can just reach me at my website JoeyFishing.com um, and just send me through the contact request form on there as well. So there's plenty of ways to reach out to me. If someone wants to find me, they can find me and I run all my own social media. So they don't you know they're not they're not uh messaging some random person in front of my page. They're messaging me.
0: Good stuff. Good stuff. Well Joey man I appreciate you.
3: Thank you, man. I'm excited about next season. I got nine Bassmaster Opens, and and uh, we'll get on, do some more of these podcasts as the winter kind of gets colder and see how things change. And, and then next year is going to be a busy year, but I'll still be guiding all season when I'm home, not fishing those nine Opens. I'll be home on the Coosa and guiding and teaching and doing what I love. So. Good stuff. I got to come get in the boat with you sometime. I'm 20
0: minutes from you. I got I We got to eventually make this happen. Sounds good. All right, buddy. Thank you, Joey. Appreciate you as always. And uh, we'll talk to you soon, brother. All right. Thanks. All right. Thank you. All right, guys, let's take a couple more minutes and hear from a few more of this week's sponsors. Photonis Defense is proud to offer the PD Pro line of night vision systems. The PD Pro series is the world's smallest and lightest night vision goggles built around the Photonis 16 millimeter filmless 4G image intensifier tubes and our hybrid filmless 18 millimeter image intensifier tubes. These ultra light, ultra compact night vision systems deliver the cleanest image, best resolution, smallest, most transparent halo and best overall performance and function of any night vision system of. The PD Pro line consists of the PD Pro M 16mm monocular, the PD Pro B 16mm binocular, and the PD Pro Q panoramic night vision system. Photonist defense, masters of darkness. Also brought to you by Baker's Metalworks and DC Supply. Baker Metalworks and Dixie Supply offer numerous items to help you get your project done right the first time. They carry a variety of different panel profiles in your choice of colors and gauges with all the matching trim and accessories. They also offer a full line of hardware items and post-frame building designs. Their friendly and knowledgeable sales representatives are always willing to help answer any questions or concerns you may have. Contact them with any questions or get a free estimate today. Baker's Metal Works and DC Supply, your metal roofing headquarters. And brought to you by OutdoorAlabama.com. That's where I learned the basics of how to hunt and fish, including what's in season and which license to buy. Learn more at OutdoorAlabama.com. Go hunt, go fish, get outdoors. This message was brought to you by the Alabama Department of Conservation and Natural Resources all right guys welcome back to the show uh y'all be sure to reach out to joey and uh book a trip with him man i I love having him on the show he's got he's just what a wealth of knowledge he is and so much experience uh on logan martin and lay and all the Cusa chain for sure as as well as anywhere else i mean the guy's just a great fisherman but uh, i love some of his insight that he had on on the Cusa and kind of the downturn that we've seen i think he made some really good points but Uh, Y'all be sure and reach out, book a trip with him. But let's get to our third and final segment of the day with another one of my favorite guys, Jake Maddox on the Tallapoosa. What's going on, Jake?
2: What's going on, Brian? How are you doing?
0: Man, I'm doing good, buddy. I'm just watching the storm outside right now. Yeah,
2: it looks a little gnarly. I wish I was fishing, but I don't want to get fried by a lightning bolt. So kind of glad I didn't go today, but I was driving over Gunner's joint. It looked really
0: good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I hear you. Hey, man, you gotta be a you gotta be a gamer to get out there in this mess today. But I mean, hey, the fish, the fish don't seem to they, they. It turns them on sometimes. They're biting these storms.
2: Yeah, they're already wet. I think.
0: Yeah, so, right. I ain't worried about a little rain.
2: Yeah, no, it's all right. So, but yeah, man, it's it's uh these winter storms like this can be a great time to get on the water as long as you watch the weather, make sure it's not too dangerous. It can be a great time to catch some fish.
0: Heck yeah, heck yeah. Well, one thing about it is is with as much rain as we're getting and expected to get through the night. I mean, they're gonna open these gates up a little bit more and and uh, have some good current and and hopefully that'll turn the fish on too.
2: Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, it's gonna be a fun time to fish any of these lakes out Alabama, You know, all the way from the Tennessee River all the way down to Martin, Eufala, everywhere in Alabama. It's a great time to go fishing.
0: Yeah, no doubt about it. No doubt. Well, what's going on in Martin right now? You've been catching them?
2: Yeah, I've been catching them. It's uh, You know how that lake is. It's not taking the best weight. It seems like pretty much everywhere on in Alabama, really across the country, the, the pressure has really got to these fish, and the weights haven't been what they normally are. And it's been a lot tougher to, to catch a lot of fish in all these lakes. But uh, fortunately, Martin has still been pumping out a lot of numbers. I've still been able to have, you know, days where I catch up to 30 even 50 fish days a lot of the times you know if it's a really good day 60 70 fish most of that action is going to be fishing vertically or fishing with live scope out there scoping out in the middle of those drains but like I said the current a lot of rain that's when those largemouth get real shallow a lot of times I like to go shallow throw a spinnerbait throw a crankbait that sort of thing and you can have a lot of fun, special days that usually don't happen a lot of times on Lake Martin. Get get into those big, larger mouths.
0: Yeah. Let's talk about the vertical fishing. So, walk me through that a little bit. What are you doing there?
2: Number one bait is going to be a Domeki rig and a Jigging Spoon. So, I like Tucker Smith's Speed Drop. They've got him at Mark's Outdoors. It's an awesome little Domeki head bait. It's got big eyes, got a good cook, very good uh, bait keeper. One of the little metal ones that you're using a last deck like the Z Man or the Strike King Baby Z2, it's a great little hook to hold the bait on there. So, and it's got big eyes, it's got the 90 degree line tie. That's one my buddy Tucker designed. It's a really good one. I like, you know, three eighths is kind of my one I go to most of the time. And then also, I like the Shimano Current Sniper Spoon. It's a saltwater bait, but I've been using it for these spotted bass on Lake Martin. It's been Put a lot of big fish in the boat, and a lot of numbers.
0: Heck yeah! Well, so what, what you're doing there, you're finding finding these fish in in the deeper water. You're getting over the top of them, and you're just going straight down
2: most of the time. Yeah, I'll I'll do that straight down, or sometimes I'll see them, especially on a sunny day. Even if it's cold, a lot of times they'll like to suspend, even if it's right under the surface. So they might be, you know, five or 10 feet down. And I'll hit them with that Domeki rig and I'll just swim it past their face.
0: So when, when you're, when, when these fish are suspended like this and you're looking for the fish, I mean, Martin's a big lake and it's a deep lake, you know, it's, it's easy for us as fishermen to go, okay, I'm on, I'm gonna look off that point that's coming out in the lake, or I'm going to go up in that cove that's on the lake or a bridge or whatever it may be. It's a little different game when you're looking for suspended fish in the wide open, deep water in a lake like Martin. How do you, are you literally just trolling and cruising and looking at your your side imaging? Or how, how are you finding these suspended fish? This time of
2: year, side imaging definitely is still part of my game plan, but it's not as much as, forward sonar is honestly right now i'm almost relying 100 percent on my forward sonar in my and my map so what i'm doing is i'm checking out my map and i'm looking for pinch points where maybe two points create a deep gut or anything like that and i'm actually instead of fishing the points i'm fishing the water in between the points those little pitch points and those ditches and those drains any of those creek channels that sort of stuff so Rather than them being off the end of the point or up on a high spot a hump, they're going to be in the deep water in the gut, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah. And so you're using your forward-facing sonar to, to locate the bait balls and locate the fish.
2: Exactly. So I'll keep my trolling motor on around 7 to 10 on my feed, and I'll just literally just troll around until I see, a, see them. And a lot of times on Lake Martin, the reason I said I don't use my – my side fishing as much is because the spotter bass really like to hug the bottom this time of year, especially on those cloudy days. Sunny days, you'll have an exception and they'll, you know, cruise right on the surface and wolf back. But a lot of times they'll sink down. You know, you get those real gloomy days in the wintertime, not a lot of sun. That's when those fish sit right on the bottom, and you know you'll catch them a lot the of times with mud or red clay on their stomachs, and they're just sitting so tight. But once you get the first one to bite, a lot of times it'll look like a spaghetti on your screen from all those fish, on your 2D anyway, from all those fish chasing the one you just hooked. And then it gets crazy and you see them on scope and throw all types of different stuff down there. You throw blade bait, jigging meet your egg. That's what I like to do, or a drop shot.
0: I always think of forward-facing as something you would use maybe in... Not shallow water, I guess you could, but but more like in twenty foot or less. How deep can you? How deep can you look? I mean, with with the, I mean, how deep are you looking with for, for these with forward facing sonar?
2: Um, the other day I had a guide trip out there and we caught some fish and like sixty five on the bottom. I can see them on scope. Wow. So it, it's it's not limited to that for sure. You can do a lot with it, but you just have to adjust. How deep it is, and you're definitely not going to be able to see them as great or see them. You know, there's certain times where I can see their their fins and their you know how which way they're positioned, how they're sitting, that kind of stuff. But it's got to be kind of the perfect situation to where they're you know at the right depth and you know certain distance out from the boat. That's a reveal. But I can just see like small little blobs on the bottom. I cast my jigging spoon at them and can hit them.
0: Yeah, that's cool. That's cool. Sure,
2: for sure.
0: Yeah, so. It sounds like you're but catching a lot of numbers right now, for sure.
2: Yeah, numbers for sure. Definitely big fish is a little bit tougher. Um, I have caught some on our guide trip the other day. I caught a decent little largemouth on the bank and then never really ran into those big spots yet. But um, I'm hoping as it gets a little bit colder, it'll it'll turn on and those big ones will start showing up.
0: Yeah, no doubt. And, and uh, yeah, I'll, uh, you know, and, and Martin's not – it's not – like Gunnersville, or it's not known for for big fish. I don't know why. I mean, it's a beautiful, it's a big body of water. It's 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 got a lot of bait fish in it. Uh, what's your theory on why there's not as many big fish in Martin as it is some of the other lakes that we fit, that we have here in Alabama, like a Eufaula or Gunnersville or Pickwick or some of those?
2: Yeah. So a lot of the fish that are in Gunnersville, they're Florida strain bass. Um, a lot of the fish, largemouth that are in Martin are, are Florida strain bass, but there's also the northerns in Martin. And then you follow, you know, those are straight southern Florida bass. It's almost, you know, you follow basically fishes like, you know, you know, you follow Seminole, those, those places, basically all Florida strain in there. They just don't grow as big. And it takes a lot longer for them to get big. Um, they did a study that it takes a spotted bass eight years to grow two pounds on Lake Martin. Wow. And part of that is is that there's so many fish in Lake Martin. You know, there's other lakes that have a lot of fish and they're healthy. Like Gunnersville's got a lot of fish, but the fish on Gunnersville, there's way more largemouth that eat other largemouth, they eat gizzard shad. In Martin, there's gizzard shad, but there's almost there's not as many fish that can eat the gizzard shad other than big largemouth and stripe, and there's really not that many big largemouth in Lake Martin right now and You know, you go up one lake to Lake Wadawi and there's giants. There's there's ten pounders. There's thirteen pounders been caught out Wadawi. and those fish are definitely in Lake Martin. I've seen them swimming. I've seen them on bed, big ones. But they're just so hard to catch, and it's honestly kind of a mystery where they go the rest of the year. But that being said, I think with the spotted bass, we had a really really tough herring spawn um, a couple years ago where the herring didn't spawn very well, and that's really limited the the forage, um, but they're definitely making a comeback rate recently. Every fish you catch is spitting up blueback herring. They're just not big blueback herring yet. And give it one or two more years, I think the the forage is gonna start increasing in size, and that'll increase the size of the fish because they, I think it was my senior year of high school. That was the first year I really found out the herring bite. And I was catching some giant fish and not even post them on Instagram or anything just because I didn't want anyone to figure out what we were doing, anything like that, because it was on fire. And I'm hoping that that's what happens to the lake here soon, is those chain reactions, get more bait, get bigger bait, the fish start getting bigger. They're forced to eat those bigger fish. But right now, it's just, there's so many little ones in the lake. And I think it's part to do with, wasn't a good herring spawn. I think there's an overpopulation of striped bass. They're not doing anything to restock largemouth or striped but or or spotted bass, but they're keep increasing thousands and thousands of striped bass in the lake every year because they can't reproduce. And striped bass are not bad for a lake. For a herring lake you have to have striped bass to keep the balance correct. But I think because they've added so many stripers, it's a lot harder for these for these spot for these uh, herring to to grow to that full potential if they keep getting eaten by little spots and stripers without any chance to live, especially the stripers because they're more open water nomadic. And that's what the spots act like too, but the stripers just eat everything. And we definitely still need stripers, but we don't need as many. We need to take a break. I think from stocking for a year or two and then reintroduce them because there's plenty of big stripe in the lake still. Well, I take that back. Even the stripe population has gone down uh, or the, the size of the stripers has gone down significantly on Lake Martin.
0: Yeah, it is it's funny that you're talking about that because on the last segment with Joey Nania and Logan Martin, he was talking about the same exact thing. He was like, you know, we've got an overabundance now of stripe and they're still they're still stocking them, but they're not stocking the bass anymore. The largemouth. Yeah. And I the mean thing- you get a certain number, when you get so many he said he was in a co the other day that, that he said, I, I there was, I was looking on my, I saw over a thousand strike. Yeah. And one co and sure. he said, you think about that, I mean, they're eating a lot of forage that the bass don't get to eat. Right. And yeah, uh, for sure. So definitely a competitor. So, for sure.
2: And you know, competition is good in the lake, but it's just to a point to where there's too many stripers Um, there's more, pre- there's a, you know, there's always going to be more forage than there is predator on anything. And there's more stripers than it, there are bass that are actually feeding on bait. And so, you know, that's a competitor to the bass and that's a, bass tends to be in a disadvantage most of the time. And it really, really hurts fishery. Like look at West Point, for example, that lake has a bad rap, but there are absolute giants in that lake, but there's not many two pounders like at all. There's a lot of You know, there's not a lot of three pounders either. There's a lot of five to sevens, and there's a lot of ones or two, or I say one and a half twos, and not a lot of threes and fours, but a lot of fives to sevens. And there's a couple of year gap, that little year gap right there. There's not a whole lot of those fish in the lake. So that's why tournaments at West Point in the spring, you get, you see 28 pounds win, but then another weekend nine wins.
0: Yeah. Well, it's a different lake for sure. And, and And the stripe there, their stripe population is so big there. That I mean, most of the guides that, that you know that that's a lot of their trips, if not the majority, are stripe fishing.
2: Oh, yeah, for sure. And like, you know, a lake's bad when you start catching stripes on shaggy heads, yeah, or like some something that they're not supposed to bite. Like, I understand that a rig, top water, that kind of stuff, but when there's that many fish and they're forced, they want to eat whatever food they can, there's that many of them, they're forced to eat things that they normally don't eat, and the shaggy heads, one of them, or a jig that's not supposed to happen on the regular and you go out there and throw a shake your head. I promise you go catch some striper on, you know, or white bass or something, yeah. you know?
0: Yeah, and absolutely.
2: So, I mean, I encourage the viewers that, you know, if you want to go have some fun, white bass fishing, striped bass fishing is a blast. You can use a lot of the same stuff like a jerk bait, of Eric, go to some of those lakes and take some of those fish home. Um, they make great fish tacos and that kind of stuff and, and leave some of the, ba- and, and leave some of the bigger bass, even if you catch a a one and a half pounder on Lake Martin—that's a big one on this lake right now. You need to let those fish go, but a lot of people, you know, disown guys eating bass. Guys, I mean, if they're a real small ones, I suggest taking them out of the lake just because that's kind of what the, the lake's needing—is just kind of a just less competition to let those fish grow.
0: Well, and you you see this in ponds all the time, you know, in smaller farm, you know, ponds, you know, five acres, 15 acres, things like that. I mean, when the bass get abundant, then all you catch is a pound and a half fish. They don't grow anymore because they don't, you know, and you have to remove a bunch of those fish to get things back in line to where there's. There's plenty of food for them so that they can grow. Otherwise, they eat them like popcorn when they, when they hatch out, and then they're done, and then they starve.
2: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. The rest of the year. So. And it, makes eat other, it makes them eat other things. The other day, this is actually funny. I was fishing a tournament, um, OGS tournament. I caught a spotted bass that I did not weigh in, put it in the live well. It was our one that still our limit. I, I don't think this fish was more than probably a pound and a quarter. I opened that fish's mouth, and it had a full crappie down its mouth. What? Baby crappie. Yeah. So, and bass eat crappie all the time, but they're normally large mouths, you know, that eat them. Right. Not a little bitty spot. A spot, you know, he's taking a chance at either starving to death or choking to death, or he's just going to go get his next meal, you know, when he's up against a baby crappie like that. That's not... I mean, it wasn't a soup I mean, it was a small crappie, but it was a big one for a small little bass like that. So, I mean, it just goes to show you that they're trying to just eat whatever they can, and they're just not able to. They're they're turning to other forage other than than the because he normally would not.
0: He normally would not choose that bait. No, Uh, unless he's hungry. Absolutely, but not a spotted bass. Right, right, right. good stuff. Good stuff. Well, man, what's your tip for today if somebody's coming to fish uh, Lake Martin or Tallapoosa or some of those lakes? What would your tip be?
2: i definitely just, like I always look for the bait, and I would just kind of be open to different depth zones. I would try anywhere from 25 to about 60. That seems to be the magic number, and about 30 to 40, it seems like on average, most of my spots have been lately 30 to 40
0: good stuff man good stuff all right jake if somebody wants to contact you and book a trip with you man i know you you stay busy and but you're doing a doing a lot of trips and and uh, what's the best way for them to contact you
2: yeah so bass and bros com or my web or um, dm me on instagram it's j mad j m a d d underscore fishing Uh, that's my instagram tiktok youtube everything just me a direct message that way and we'll schedule time to go fishing and then starting next year in 2023 i'm going to do a lot more technique specific trips so if you want to go learn how to scope or swim a jig anything like that i'll have some of those trips available
3: that's, and that's uh, don't good. forget
2: i've got night, yes sir i got night trips available too especially you know from now until first week of march i'm gonna be pretty focused in on that first you tournament to be honest with you but after that you tournament which is the first week of march all of march i'll be doing guiding trips uh at night and that is honestly if i had to pick one month that would be the month to go night fishing on lake martin so
3: well, dude, put,
0: put me down put me down for one of those that'd be fine
2: yes sir absolutely absolutely we need to go make some content absolutely
0: yeah absolutely all right buddy well i appreciate it jake stay safe out there man always love talking to you talk to you again soon buddy You're better. all right guys let's take a couple more minutes and hear from just a few more of our of this week's sponsors this segment was brought to you by killer doc i hadn't even realized how bad it was i was cleaning fish on rotten wood and after cleaning just a few fish i was filthy and i had a sunburn i tried wearing a hat but it just couldn't keep me cool. And how was I supposed to clean fish without getting messy? Killer Dock brings the upgrade that not only will keep me cool and clean, it will make being on my dock enjoyable again. Killer Dock combines durability, function, and design to uniquely upgrade your entire dock experience. Visit KillerDock.com to check out the greatest fish cleaning station known to mankind. Also brought to you by United Bank. United Bank knows what an important role agriculture plays in our local economy. At United Bank, they are here to support local farmers with financial products and services designed specifically for agribusiness, including real loans for farmland, equipment loans, working line of credit, and more. Truth is, they deeply value the contribution agriculture plays to our community. And they help our local farmers build successful businesses. They want to see you succeed. Learn more at unitedbank.com or stop by any United Bank branch. United Bank, all loans subject to credit approval, equal housing opportunity lender, member FDIC. And brought to you by NorthAlabama.org. Are you looking for a real adventure? Whether you are experienced or just a weekend angler looking to land a big one, North Alabama is the place to go for your next fishing expedition. North Alabama is home to eight pictures lakes, Pickwick, Wilson, Wheeler, Weiss, Smith, Neely Henry, Lake Gunnerville, and Bear Creek Lakes. Each lake is well-stocked with a variety of fish, and in North Alabama, fishing is great year-round. For more information, visit www.northalabama.org and click on plan to download a North Alabama fishing guide. All right, guys, welcome back to the show. Hey, what an awesome show today. Had three amazing guests on here with Will and Joey and, and, and Jake, and we appreciate all of them. And uh, reach out to any of those guys uh, to book a trip or just to get some information Uh, I think you can tell by listening that they, they are all very incredibly knowledgeable and and they definitely all catch a lot of fish, but Hey, that is going to be a wrap for this week's show. If you're enjoying the podcast, uh, as always take a minute, subscribe, rate, leave us a review wherever you listen. And if you'd like us to email you the show, we'll do it each and every week. All you have to do is text the word fishing to 314-665-1767 and we will email you the show each and every week. That's it for today, guys. Stay safe out there. As always, look forward to seeing y'all again next week. This week's Alabama Freshwater Fishing Report was brought to you by Great Days Outdoors magazine. Pick up a Great Days Outdoors magazine subscription and become a better southern outdoorsman. You can save and buy online at greatdaysoutdoors.com. And brought to you by l Marine has something for everyone, from small hunting boats, pontoons, as well as bigger bay and hybrid boats for the hardcore angler. Go visit them at 34600 Highway 59 in Stapleton, Alabama, or call 251-937-1380. And by Fish Bites. For over 20 years, Fish Bites has been helping anglers all along the Gulf Coast and around the world put fish in the cooler. Ask for Fish Bites or Fish Bites Fight Club lures or visit FishBites.com. Fish Bites, made in the USA. And brought to you by Hilton's Real-Time Navigator, bringing you the highest quality online satellite fishing charts since 2004. Your source for sea temps, altimetry, currents, and watercolor at Hilton'sOffshore.com. And by Mallard Bay Outdoors. MallardBay.com is the Airbnb-style marketplace for discovering and booking your next guided hunting and fishing adventures. You can browse trips and prices by state or species, select the dates you'd like to go, message outfitters, and secure your dates all from one platform, MallardBay.com. Not sure where you want to go yet? Reach out on Instagram or Facebook and they can help you find your dream hunt. And brought to you by... The all-new Alabama Fishing Show is coming to Gaston, Alabama, March the 10th through the 12th. The venue at Coosa Landing on George Wallace Drive. Alabamafishingshow.com And brought to you by... MB Ranch King hunting blinds and feeders are built to last right here in the USA. We also offer high-quality, easy-to-use corn and protein feeders that can be filled with both feet on the ground. Call Kevin today for more information or get a quote. At 205-807-2937. MB Ranch King, built in the pursuit of perfection. And by the Alabama Marine Resources Division reminds all recreational anglers possessing gray triggerfish, greater amberjack, or red snapper that they must report these fish through Sniper Check before they are landed in Alabama. For more information about Snapper Check, please visit outdoorsalabama.com.